0: Welcome to the Project Proactive Podcast with your hosts, Shoshana Mailer and Rebecca Shapiro. Tune in to our weekly interviews with inspiring and renowned guests in order to normalize conversations and spread awareness about issues that impact the mental health of our community. It might sound cliche and a bit cheesy, but together, we really can be the
1: change. Everybody feels anxious sometimes. It's totally normal. It doesn't necessarily mean you have an anxiety disorder. It's only considered a disorder if it interferes with your ability to function in your day-to-day life. In this episode, renowned psychologist, author, and public speaker, Sarukhana Radcliffe, explains what anxiety is, some tips for living with anxiety, and self-care ideas to help prevent it from becoming a disorder. Sarukhana's practice is in Toronto, Canada. She uses a variety of cutting-edge therapies to help improve relationships, reduce stressful emotions and maximize achievements. She gives her clients the tools to help them live their best life well after their time in therapy is over. Because there is no therapy that's one size fits all, Sarah Khanna utilizes a variety of therapeutic interventions including mindfulness-based psychotherapy, EFT, heart math and EMDR. With over 30 years of experience, Sara Khanna is a leader in the world of psychology, publishing many books, including Raise Your Kids Without Raising Your Voice and The Fear Fix, Solutions for Every Child's Moment of Worry, Panic and Fear. Her newest book, Better Behavior Now, is actually my new favorite of hers, which we'll actually hear more about towards the end of this podcast season. Now, let's learn more about anxiety together with Sarah Khanna welcome
2: thank you thank you very much
0: thanks so much for joining us tonight my
2: pleasure okay good great
0: um yeah so i was saying oh so we got a lot of great questions and a lot of them overlapped and i was able to kind of break it down into five um overall categories uh because i want to be able to cover them all with you tonight if that works for you um so if you could just kind of give everyone an introduction about yourself your background, your expertise.
2: All right. Um, well, you know. Yes. Okay. Um, can you hear me? Okay. Is the volume good?
0: I can hear you. Can everyone else hear?
2: Okay. I think that's a right. safe bet. Okay. Good. All right. Good. So uh, yeah, I'm a psychologist. I've been anxious. <laughs> I'm a human being, right? So there's our expertise, and. Um, You know, this is an area, it is actually an area of great interest to me because everybody has um, anxious feelings. As um, a person who studies psychology, I'm always looking for the practical side of what can we do to help ourselves be happier, calmer, um, just feel better. And uh, our children feel anxious. We feel anxious. So this is just a big area um, that I have been studying and researching and learning and practicing as a human being and... You know i want to sh- i'd like to share what i have on this
0: mm-hmm. great we're excited to hear what you have to say mm-hmm. so um we have all right i'm just going to kind of give an overview of the five topics that came up and then we'll just do one topic at a time a few questions per topic i'll just kind of shoot them out and you can <laughs> go it. how will you please yeah um The sound is very choppy. You can only hear it sporadically. Does everybody, is that a problem for everybody who's watching? Is it my internet?
2: I will try and speak clearly. Is that, I hope, I don't know if it's you or me or all of us or. All
0: right, well let us know if there's still issues but we'll just keep going for now. Okay, okay, great. Uh, So the first overall topic would be anxiety in general. So what is anxiety? just I'll go through all five and then we'll just jump right in so what is anxiety anxiety coping skills um, anxiety as it relates to other mental health challenges anxiety and therapy and children and anxiety so those are the five Um, Mm -hmm. let's just jump right in so what's anxiety so the first the few questions on anxiety um, on what is anxiety are so how can I tell if I have anxiety Um, and then this one is kind of specific but if I sometimes uncontrollably cry because of hypothetical things that might happen. Is it anxiety? Hmm. Um, that's number two. And number three, how to get past the feeling of feeling weak and embarrassed when you're taking anxiety medication.
2: Hmm. Okay. Um, so don't go too separate, long. I'm, so. I'm not writing this down. I'm gonna forget everything you're saying.
0: It's so. okay. I can I repeat it. I have it all I have it all written down. Okay. So just yeah so how do you tell if it's anxiety? Let's start there.
2: Yes. Okay. Um, Okay, actually, this is a confusing word because in the mental health profession we use it as a disorder. There's a there's an anxiety disorder. So to say, how can how do we tell if we have anxiety? What we usually mean is, um, how do I know if I have an anxiety disorder? Uh, because it's unmistakable when we are just anxious. Okay, we we don't have to have somebody tell us we're anxious. So we could say I have anxiety um, about this. Um, this new job I'm applying for, this date I'm going on, or this exam I'm taking, I feel anxious. And what we're feeling is the chemistry of anxiety. Now, this doesn't become a disorder unless we're feeling it so often, so intensely, that it's really disturbing us. um, Or that it's interfering with our ability to go on that date, to to write that exam. It's interfering with our ability to function. So those two things make it uh, move it into the the disorder uh, categories if you're wondering do I have an anxiety disorder um, you might if you're very 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 bothered by the way anxiety feels in you how often and how intense and or if it's interfering with your goals like you're you're um, you can't advance in your job because you the anxiety about performing or whatever is too intense for you or you just can't you whatever you can't do something because of anxiety then maybe it does move into the disorder category, and then when we're in disorder, there are different there are different flavors of anxiety disorders. So there's um, like a specific phobia, for example, is called an anxiety disorder. Let's say I was uh, terribly, terribly afraid of dogs to the point of if I see a dog, I get um, very, very panicky. I have to run away quickly. Well, or if I'm if I'm forced to stay in the presence of something that I'm phobic of. I actually get a panic attack, which I want to define for you too, because this is something in the anxiety area that we, we um, need to know about. Okay, because, okay, it's about, I'll get there in a minute. But, anyways, um, a specific phobia could give us an anxiety attack, which is a very intense, overwhelming, um, and debilitating state of anxiety that's short lived but very painful. Um, then there's other kinds of anxiety disorders, like one in which we worry a lot, just worry all the time. And that might be a what they call GAD, GAD, generalized anxiety disorder, means that we worry about everything. You name it, we worry about it. But it's like we're just a worrier. But again, to the point where it's interfering with peace of mind, happiness, well-being. Um, and OK, so that's an anxiety disorder. Post-traumatic stress disorder has anxiety and anxiety. Component in it. It used to be categorized as an anxiety disorder. Now. It's I think in its own classification um, But that's when you've had a terrible thing happen to you and then you're hyper vigilant and um, nervous and anxious um, and Maybe wake up with nightmares and that kind of thing. So there are different flavors of anxiety disorders There's agoraphobia where you're afraid to leave the house or you need to have somebody go with you um, You're afraid to do something by yourself and that is very um, Compromising of one's ability to live a normal life, um, but that's uh, that's where we are afraid that we will have a panic attack if we leave. Okay, and panic disorder itself is the tendency to have panic attacks and the fear of having panic attacks. So, can I pause here to explain about panic attacks, or you want to go on to the next question? Yeah, please? sure. Okay, sure. Um, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. So there's so. We know we're anxious because we're having physical symptoms that are making us uncomfortable. Maybe our stomach is upset. Maybe we feel dizzy or even to the point of kind of faint. We feel nervous or agitated. Maybe we're snapping at everybody because our system is really um, wound up. And so we say, well, I have a big test tomorrow. I have so much to do. Um, You've got so much work to do, whatever. I'm, I'm just anxious, okay? And we know that this is both emotional And physical like we're not we're feeling uncomfortable (laughs) no we're not not chilled we're not relaxed we're wound up okay now if um, that's just feeling anxious um, or even nervous some people use those two words interchangeably nervous meaning like I'm I'm kind of anxious scared about something nervous about my exam Um, nervous about passing the driving test so like I'm nervous about it or I'm anxious about it. it would be synonyms but if I get in the car to take the exam And this anxiety kind of goes out of control. And now I feel like um, my heart is beating very, very fast. And I feel dizzy or I feel like I'm choking or I feel like I'm going to faint um, or um, I feel nauseous and I'm hot and cold or tingly or any of these really intense physical symptoms. Uh, Or I feel like I'm losing my mind. I'm cracking up or maybe I'm having a heart attack. I think I feel like I'm dying. Those are the very intense emotions and, and physical sensations that we have in a panic attack. And this is very unpleasant. But um, if we understand panic attacks, then um, it's, it's much easier to cope with those symptoms. Because what they really are, is also called the, the fight or flight response in our body. It's a release of chemicals where our heart has decided that we are in serious danger and we get an, a lot of chemistry um, to cope with the danger. It feels to our body like our, we're in a life or death situation, which if we are, this is great, because the chemistry that it's delivering to us causes our heart to beat really fast and our, our um, digestion to get out of the way and our pupils to dilate, our muscles to be strong, so that we can run or we can attack something. And that is really a survival response. Now, if our heart makes a little mistake and sends the emergency signal when there's no emergency, then we have so much of this energy going through our body. So now we're having all this, the heart is beating really fast and we we feel like we've got to run, we've got to do, but our seatbelt is on and we're sitting in an airplane, let's say, and there's nowhere to run. (laughs) We're we're sitting in a car or something or or on a ride and we we can't escape, we're in an elevator and there's nowhere to go and yet we have the emergency chemistry telling our body run or attack go here here's all the energy you need to lift a car but we can't go anywhere and this is why we feel like we're splitting apart we're dying and many many people go to the emergency room thinking they are dying when what they're having is a panic attack so that's a specific kind of very intense short-lived anxiety and it it does eventually leave the system and maybe we'll have some time to talk about how to help ourselves through that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, next question. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: So, actually, while you're talking about helping ourselves and coping skills, let's just talk about in general. Um, I mean, even, even if it's not specific to panic attacks, but just specific to anxiety in general. So, some coping skills um, that people can use to deal with, you know, generalized anxiety or any kind of anxiety. Um, and Yeah, and then another question was advice on any little tips and tricks to calm the nervous system during an anxiety attack. So there's the panic attack question again. So
2: we can talk about that for a little bit. These these are really two very different questions. So I'm going to answer the worry question first. Now, for this, we need a little little brain science, okay? Um, See, for worry, I'm talking about the worry. Worry is picturing some bad outcome some negative outcome. um if you're worried about somebody who's sick you are picturing them not getting better heaven forbid okay if you're worried about whether you're going to pass the exam or not you're worrying you're picturing yourself maybe failing you're worried that you're not going to get whatever whatever it is you want you're you're picturing yourself not getting it okay so worrying is putting your attention on a negative outcome and uh, when we do that of course we that it is sad and, dis- and disturbing to us. Now the world is kind of a half bad and half good place. There are real problems that we have, where things could go wrong in the world. Um, people do die, and there is illness and suffering. There is loss and pain. Um, there is what to worry about. Okay. Um, on but the other side of the world, the other the other half. You look at the world in two halves. Okay? Here's the, here's the miserable half over here, where there are really bad things do happen, and here miracles and beautiful things and amazing things happen. Now, our brains are, are, when we come into the world, our natural brain is tilted (laughs) this way to the negative side. So that we tend to look for and find and see problems right from the beginning. We see the hole in the floor, rather than seeing that the rest of the floor is fine. Okay, now that is kind of a protective mechanism, but we then go overboard with it. And we tend to help our brain grow more circuits, more neurology, more, I'll call it neural pathways and wiring for looking and finding the problem side of life. Um, So the reason for that is the more we do anything, the more circuits are formed in the brain for it and the better we become at it. So the more we worry, the more worry circuits we build, a bigger section of our brain is devoted to it. And the more expert we become at worrying. Okay, so the more we do it, the more we will do Um, now the um, the question is where does the worry come from in the first place let's say we're washing our dishes or we're walking through I don't know we're walking to work or we're doing a mindless task and ideas pop into our mind and then we start to stress over these ideas um, we say well where are these ideas coming from are they coming from outer space or like how, how did they get there the, the things that pop into our mind this comes from something I call the Amazon dot model of the brain here okay when I go to my Amazon page to buy a book it says there Sarah we have some suggestions for you and then it will name like you know ten books that I'm sure to love. they'll be psychology books and gardening books and books whatever it is and of uh, Amazon's billions of books like how did they know the ten that I would just love okay? so do you know how do you know how they would love know the ten that I would love no, do you want to get to a guess how they know? <laughs> no. Okay, well, they they know because they're not guessing; they're just following what I pay attention to. Right? They're paying what I click on, what I search for, what I put in my shopping cart, and what I buy. That they know I like that. Okay. Now the brain works the same way. There's an infinity of thoughts we could be thinking while we're washing the dishes, but we only think a, a little selection of ten thoughts, just like the ten books that they put up there, because those are the ones that we click on. That we pay attention to that we expand that we play with so your brain says oh I see you're washing dishes well that doesn't take our full power here would you like to worry about your kid who has like that school problem you know that's the brain says that and we say yes click we <laughs> we're like worry 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 now because we clicked on it next time we're washing dishes your brain will say oh you know that kid you like to worry about. would you like to worry now yes Click, okay, and we do it again and again. And this is how we get that little selection of negative thoughts in our brain. Now, the problem with the negative thoughts is that they come with negative chemistry. So by the time we're finished with that, we have stress chemistry floating through our system, adrenaline and cortisol. We're washing the dishes, but at the end of it, we're exhausted, we're drained, we feel awful, and we're breaking down the body, we're breaking down our immune system, and we're not happy. So if we would like to get a better mix of chemistry so that we're feeling chilled and relaxed and happy after we wash those dishes, we need to be saying, no, I don't want to buy that thought right now. Okay, that's that's not gonna do anything for me. But let's say we have a problem with that kid. I mean, the principal's been calling and whatever. So we do have to tend to it, but not while I'm washing the dishes, okay? <laughs> At 9 o'clock at night, I will compartmentalize this. I'll make an appointment with myself. 9 o'clock at night, I'm going to sit down, think about that kid on purpose, consciously. What do I need to do? How can I solve this problem? How do I feel about it? I can do a 1,000 things at 9 o'clock between 9 and 9.30 by appointment with me, the therapist, myself, okay? Each one of us has an inner therapist, right? But not when I'm walking through the parking lot, not while I'm folding laundry, not while I'm washing dishes, not when I don't want it. Those times, I want to be thinking about all the things I have to be grateful for all the things that are amazing all the things that will give me amazing chemistry so I can enjoy my life despite the fact that I have maybe five problems going on right now okay I'll tend to all of those by appointment so that's that's the question on worry okay now the other question what was it about panic or what can we do during
0: yeah panic? during anxiety to calm the nervous yeah. system
2: ah well we have to be ready for um, an anxiety attack before we have it, uh, in order to be really good at calming it. So it's good for all of us to to learn how to calm the nervous system and to have that in place all the time. Then if we need an, uh, what is that, an MRI or whatever, we have to go through one of those machines, we won't need their Ativan, we can calm ourselves down. Um, you know, if, if something sudden happens, an injury, some, some emergency at home, we'll be able to calm ourselves down because our system has been trained to do it. Because I said, whatever we practice we get better at get more circuit so um, the best thing to do is, is to know in advance so I'm gonna tell you some things in advance first of all there is something called rescue remedy this is something we should have in our purses. okay so we have it we're ready for an emergency we have it also in the kitchen where somebody might burn themselves or cut themselves we have it in the medicine closet somewhere rescue remedy is available online it's available in health food stores. It's available in some supermarkets and some pharmacies. It's a little, I should have brought a little bottle to show you. It comes in a bottle this big. It's called, it says on it, Rescue Remedy. And it's uh, a product of something called Bach, B A C H, flower remedy. So it's, one of, it's a premixed Bach flower remedy. Now, what it does is it turns off the fight or flight response, it turns off the adrenaline that's causing a panic attack. Now, this is important. Um, in a number of ways. First of all, if you're anticipating a panic attack, let's say you know you have a fear of flying, so you take rescue remedy um, in the morning and maybe the night before your flight and just before your flight. And while you're on your flight, you drop four drops of rescue remedy in whatever water you're drinking and sip. There's a book um, on fear of flying called um, "Fear of Flying?" I think that's the name of it, um, and the pi- a pilot and a homeopath wrote it, and they recommend the rescue remedy very, very highly. Uh, for people who are know they're going to be afraid in advance now if you're already having panic rescue remedy will turn the volume down and start turning the adrenaline off and after you've had panic you also need it so I'll explain it like this the heart decides you're in an emergency situation you're up in the sky and you're what are you doing up there okay so you get scared so it sends the emergency signal to the brain that that releases the fight-or-flight response and um, and now you have chemistry pouring down in every cell of your body. Now, um, when you're, let's say, let's say you land, let's say the plane lands, and you were you were anxious the whole time. The plane lands, you got off, thank goodness. But your body is actually filled with um, this chemistry; it's still floating around there. This is like if you had a bathtub and you turned the faucet on, the water comes and fills up the tub. Okay, And so now the tub is full, even if you turn off the faucet. So mm-hmm. if you turn off the fight-or-flight chemistry, your tub is still full. You're still feeling awful, which is why you can feel awful after a panic attack. So there's a little tub. In, in a tub, you have a little rubber thing. You take it out so that water starts to drain down the, into the bottom of the tub, it drains out into the pipes, but very slowly. So a couple of hours later, the, the chemistry is drained out of your body, too. You want to speed that up. You want a bigger hole in the bottom of your tub. So rescue remedy makes that hole bigger, so you feel better much faster. So that's rescue is before, during, and after panic. Okay, that's one easy thing. It doesn't require training other than always have it with you in your purse. <laughs> that's the training, um, and also have it in a good place in your purse. So recently, I had a, a very bad fall. I fell flat on my face, and and as I knocked everything, I was bleeding all over the place. And I have rescue remedy in my purse, okay, at the bottom of the purse. <laughs> and I, I was in such a state, I couldn't find it, okay, like I, I, I couldn't find it. It needs to be at the top of the purse. In some <laughs> All right. So um, now, if you train yourself to um, be able to control your autonomic nervous system, that is, the your heart will turn on the emergency response without your permission. And so you have... You might say to yourself, oh, I'm on a plane or I'm wherever. I know that it's safe. I know that it's crazy, but I can't stop my body. It's it's becoming anxious by itself. So um, that's the autonomic nervous system. It's against your conscious will. You don't want it to work like that, but it won't stop. Or you're giving a big presentation or you're about to be called to speak in front of people, like public speaking is the number one phobia and fear of dying is number seven. Okay, so... (laughs) (laughs) more people are afraid of um, public speaking than dying okay um, but anyway so there they are that their heart is beating in the you know they're sitting waiting for the name to be called their palms are sweating they they don't even know if they're going to be able to open their mouth when they get up there to speak so um, that would be good to take rescue remedy if you knew that was going to happen to you that would help also things like there very essential oils that are very uh, calming to the nervous system lavender chamomile lang frankincense some of these things you talk to an aromatherapist or you should have an aromatherapist on here too because they really do um, they're very um, psychotropic they really help us with the way our emotions are so I yes. think
0: I saw an Instagram page on that essentially essential, he, yes
2: there is one by Frady somebody and yes um, I've been de- talking to her actually and she'd be very good to have <laughs> okay. so um, so essential oils will keep you physically calm. Herbal tea also would help you if you know, if you're anticipating that you will be nervous or that you're having panic attacks or nightmares at night, maybe because of a trauma that happened. If you take the right herbs uh, to, before you go to sleep, that you need to talk to a herbal specialist or, because they are slightly medicinal. You don't want to take the wrong herbs if you happen to be pregnant or if you have certain diseases. So you need to talk to somebody. Don't just go buy those things. but. Um, but they are very nice and soothing to the system and can, and can help you be much more stress resistant. But if one thing you can do for yourself is learn to calm your nervous system down. And there's, um, You can do that with a breathing technique Uh, there's many different ones Uh, my one of my favorites is the coherent breath that is taught by the Institute of heart math Um, and I'm myself a heart math practitioner I teach that to a lot of people where it's just a very steady breath that calms the heart but it keeps you alert so if you have to take that test you don't want to be falling asleep you want to be awake if you're giving a performance you want to be alert you know so it's called a calm alert breath and will keep you calm and alert at the same time. And this breath, the coherent breath, which you can look up um, in a variety of places. I think HeartMath actually uh, teaches it for free on their website, which is the um, heartmath.com. You just go there and, and see. look up coherent breath and they'll teach it to you. Um, but basically it's about five seconds breathing in and five seconds breathing out with no pauses in between. So, um, and there's little apps that can help you get trained to that breath. And if you do that breath, one minute a day, just one minute a day every day, before you fall asleep, or just before you get out of bed in the morning, or or whenever, pick your one minute, okay? Before you eat is a good time also, digestion. Um, so if you do that breath, when you need it, because you're having something that's anxiety provoking, you're having a needle that you're afraid of the pain, or a medical procedure that you're afraid of the pain, or you wanna relieve a headache or whatever it is, uh, because it's also helps with pain relief in general. Um, Knowing how to call on that breath, it gets more and more powerful with time, just like worry would get more and more powerful with time. This breath, your ability to calm yourself gets more and more powerful the more you bring it on, okay? So one minute a day is all you need, and you'll be good. Um, And then there's other ways uh, to learn uh, relaxation stuff if we have time um Perhaps somewhere in this hour I will actually do a relaxation exercise with the group of you who are on maybe near the end in case you fall asleep <laughs> <So> <laughs> it's very very it's very relaxing to do it and um, maybe we could do that together more questions yeah okay um
0: I should write that down so you can remember I'm trying to yeah. also try to remember yeah, yeah. What you're saying, like yes. taking notes on the side secretly mm-hmm. um uh-huh. okay so let's just jump to the next topic then I think we covered um, that in a good amount of depth. Um, So, and and you also, uh, so anxiety related to other mental health challenges. So you did mention trauma a little bit. Um, So the kinds of questions that people asked in this category were related to how anxiety relates to depression. Um, If anxiety that isn't controlled, can that turn into depression? Um, Is anxiety a symptom of trauma? Um, uh, What else where does anxiety come from? Is it genes, is it childhood? Um, and what's the difference between anxiety and just being nervous, which you covered before um, earlier. So we'll, we'll, we'll pretty much just talk about now, um, trauma, depression, and genetics.
2: Me- mental health and anxiety, yeah. So um, depression and anxiety do often go together, almost always, um, Not not every time, but most of the time and they seem to be on the same chemical circuit in the body so um, but depression well let's put it this way anxiety is depressing <laughs> if you have a lot of anxiety eventually you kind of get burned out and you move into a, a more depressed state um, but from uh, I don't know why but they you know the medicines that we use uh, but that are called antidepressants uh, they are also most of them have an anti-anxiety component to them. So so if you come tell your doctor you have anxiety, you might end up on an SSRI, which we think of as an antidepressant, like Selexa um, is a very common one uh, these days, for example. But I'm gonna talk about whether we need medication for anxiety or you know, when, how do we know if we need medication for anxiety. Um, but just when, there, when we, I said the definition of a disorder is that whatever it is that you're feeling, It's either bothering you very, very, very much or it's interfering with your functioning or both. Okay, then we're moving because these are like a a slope, a slippery slope. Like we all get depressed. We all get anxious. Those aren't disorders unless we're really disturbed by them or they're stopping us from living a normal and satisfactory life Mm -hmm. as far as we feel. Okay, they're causing us too much pain. So, um, but we all have those feelings and therefore we all need to know how to lift our mood and calm our nerves. <laughs> we, that's, every human being needs to know that. Where do we get it from? Yes, it's in the family tree. It's phonetic. So some of us have um, kind of a looser wire, I think of it as our brain, in, in terms of how quickly anxiety or um, low mood things, but let's talk about anxiety, uh, anxiety chemistry will be released, okay? So uh, you can have, be born this, in such a way that many things release your anxiety chemistry or you can be born in such a way that it feels like everything your teflon everything rolls off your back you hardly ever get anxious about anything even such a person will be anxious when they hear a bomb dropping outside their window okay there's certain things that you know like that provoke anxiety in all human beings so um but there's people who get anxious easily and frequently and people who hardly ever get anxious and that is genetic so but um it kind of works like this let's say the mother is anxious um and and then she has uh, two children, so one child has the father's genes, and he's very very chilled okay and when he listens to his mother going on about what well, she's worried about and be careful about this be careful about that, and I can't sleep because of this and that, he thinks she's nuts, okay, but then she has the other kid who got her genes, and this other child takes it all in so like it's like yes, you, there could be something wrong okay, says, yes right so um, It's both learned and um, it's only learned by those who have the genes, though, okay? Now, don't have the genes for it, you're not interested in learning anxiety. It doesn't make any sense to you. It's crazy stuff. But if you do have the genes, it makes perfect sense. And you want to to absorb it. So it's it's in both ways. Was there another question there? um, Trauma. Trauma, and I'm going to say insomnia, too. Because uh, insomnia is even more common than trauma, though everybody has some levels of trauma in their life. um, But they call it... Um, there's big T trauma, they call it, when people are facing life and death issues, like you're in a car crash, you could have died, you almost died, or somebody did die, heaven forbid. Um, that's called a, a big T trauma. And then there's small T trauma where you got up to say your lines in the, in the school play and you forgot them, okay? Now that's not life and death, but it feels close to it, okay? And it can cause trauma such that you never get up, you never really want to be in a play again, or you never want to do a public performance again. It really has a, an effect, but it's a different kind of trauma. Um, and then if that little T trauma happened to you, and you have to give a book report or some public thing at, at school or work it could be that you even have a panic attack from it or you sleepless the night before so anxious and so overwrought that you need to take medicine just to, you know get up there so um little tea traumas can cause a lot of anxiety and so can big tea traumas anxiety is a feature of any trauma we'll put it that way but um i was going to say insomnia uh, which is not trauma you can have in sleeping difficulties because of trauma, which include difficulties falling asleep, calming your system enough to fall asleep, staying asleep without nightmares, or you know, uh, all of those things happen. Panic attacks happen in if you if you have trauma, but without trauma, you can have plenty of insomnia because maybe you're anxious about what you have to do tomorrow. Will I get it all done? Maybe you haven't even consciously um, processed what you have to be anxious about. Like, uh, you know, holidays are coming, you have so much work to do, or you have so much work to do at the office, and you're not even thinking about it, but your subconscious mind is busy calculating it for you. And at nighttime is the first time when you kind of quiet down and your brain starts sending all this information to you. When when you want to go to sleep, your brain starts overloading you, and you either can't fall asleep or you wake up at two in the morning with a panic attack. Okay, like you know, and you're also thinking about it, or you or you're not thinking about it, you're just feeling the anxiety. So again, knowing how to calm ourselves is so vital to our well being, our physical and our emotional well being and our ability to function, our behavioral well being as well.
0: Okay. Um <laughs> but... Then we are moving right along on the topic covering. So let's go. Are are we on number five? Yeah. (laughs) Don't worry. We're on number four already. (laughs) Um, Let's go to anxiety and therapy, um, which uh, did we talk about it a little bit? I don't remember if it came up. but um, So, well, this one kind of came up. So I can't afford therapy and I don't have time. Are there any other ways to cope? Um, And also, I've never seen a therapist. Where do I start?
2: Mm-hmm. Those are great questions. Um first of all, there is a lot of information on YouTube about anxiety. Uh, There are some top professionals giving full courses on uh, cognitive behavioral therapy for anxiety or other strategies for anxiety, which I'm going to mention a few here. And you can follow them up online. You don't need to go to therapy. I wrote a book called The Fear Fix, which is for parents to help their children through anxiety. And that book is full of techniques that a person of any age can use, adults and, and, you know, uh, as well as teach some of them to children. Uh, but there's many books, many books, self-help types of books on anxiety. So I'm gonna give you kind of some of the things that you might encounter um, in a therapist's office and also tell you a little bit about different kinds of therapists. Because some therapists have, have special training in anxiety techniques, others are more generalist. Uh, some people have one technique and other people have, you know, 50. So, um, and I like the ones who have 50 because um, because it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of business here. Like there's, I know that you know I can teach, let's say, two techniques to a client at ten o'clock. Say, two, so same two techniques to a client at eleven o'clock, and at ten o'clock, you know the client loved the first technique and it really worked for her. At eleven o'clock, she hates the first technique and the second one works perfect. You know, so I, I like somebody who knows a lot of options and what to do for anxiety. Um, so some of, the, some of the things you may encounter and that you can follow up with. The cognitive behavioral thing, I'm, I'm forgetting now, I should have looked it up, there is a very good, co- but there's more than one. You look on YouTube, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Anxiety, you'll see people guiding you through these things. And that involves working with the mindset. A cognitive means mental, behavioral means what you're doing. So cognitive behavioral therapy for anxiety means you need to learn to think differently. And then act differently, and the anxiety will go away. Um, We didn't mention a a disorder that um, is often thought of as an anxiety disorder, which is obsessive compulsive disorder OCD. And that is, um, but it does show up there where we, the CBT, the cognitive behavioral therapy, um, highlights how it works in anxiety. Let's say somebody is fearful. That if they touch the railing in a as they go up the stairs in a building they may get germs that will cause them to have um, uh, a disease actually that's not that's not that's not OCD necessarily that could be health anxiety health anxiety is a type of anxiety where a person is worried about health okay um, very often in health anxiety, uh, they'll feel that they have some symptom going on like their their headache which is real or their stomachache which is real or the tingling in their fingers which is real um, there's something going on but it health anxiety we tend to believe that whatever it is is also fatal it's it's probably very very serious, and we can get very anxious make a million doctor appointments um, to try to get to the bottom of whatever that was and if a doctor tells us you're fine, uh, we're good for a few months or a few weeks sometimes, and then we have another symptom, the health anxieties like that. But let's say this is more um, where a person has a fear of germs, a fear that they're going to get, um, let's say, a disease from touching the railing. So the cognitive behavioral therapy approach would be, and the cognitive side would be to sort of analyze how likely that really is. How many people touch those railings? How many people really get those uh, diseases that you're talking about from that? Uh, what actually happens? And we try to, you know, get out of the irrational. Um, fear makes us kind of um, primitive in the sense that I'm afraid and I can't think about it. Okay, like, you know, and we've all had this, like, don't talk to me about it. I can't, I can't even think about it. Okay? That the, the more afraid we are, the less we can think. So with the cognitive side of CBT, we are sitting down slowly to really think, okay, and to straighten out what's called cognitive distortions, like overgeneralizing, making a catastrophe out of something that's, like, really small, this kind of thing. Um, The behavioral side is go ahead and do the experiment. Touch that railing. Feel the anxiety as you do that, and you will feel it, um, and let it pass through you. And so this is like anxiety there is like a stick of incense that if you let the stick burn out to the end, it's gone. Basically you're burning out a wire in your brain for that anxious thought or belief. If you let the anxiety just run its course, it will burn it out. But we tend to not do that because it hurts. So like, with like, you know, like we want to do something to fix it. Let's say a person who had OCD, what they might do is if they believe the doorknob had germs on it that were somehow uh, some form of contamination or some form of illness or some problem, they're going to wash their hand. Okay. And at first, they may just wash their hand one or two times. But after a while, they'll find that maybe they need to wash it four or five times. And then as time goes on, if they keep doing that, they're going to find they're going to have to wash it 30 or 50 or 100 or 500 times. And the reason for that is that anxiety that is not removed. It actually grows okay it's not it is kind of the the brain needs more and more and more anxiety relief so to speak Um, because the anxiety uh, that if you leave anxiety alone it grows like a weed in the brain basically what we want to do is is let it burn out (laughs) it's like so touch that door knob and let the anxiety run through your system help it if you can taking res- rescue remedy or something would be fine learning to breathe slowly through it would be fine learning to um, think about it quickly like to say like not sorry properly would be fine there's a lot of things you can do while you're waiting for it to burn out but you have to get to the point where it burned out and then you and then from there it gets easier each time do not wash or do not do that thing that you were doing now one Okay, some people have compulsions. That's the OCD is obsession. I was, uh, uh, you know, worrying about something. And my compulsion is what I did to stop that worry from happening, which causes the worry to stay there forever because it never burns out. But another technique that people both with OCD and all of us have Um, Whether we have OCD or not is I know how to solve this problem. I will do avoidance. Okay, like I'm afraid to go to parties I don't like interacting with people. I get social anxiety So why don't I just not go to parties? Okay, and what happens there is the social anxiety stays and grows anything you avoid The anxiety stays and it grows like like a weed that's in your garden. That's just growing by itself okay, so but it's taking over your brain, unfortunately. So in order to get over that, we actually have to change our behavior. Which is why the cognitive behavioral part, CBT, not only change your thinking, like, well, what'll happen if nobody talks to me at that party, how am I going to cope? What can I do? What strategies would I have? Um, but I have to go to the party and do them there. I can't stay home to cure my anxiety, right? So that's very brief outline of CBT. Now, um, other techniques that people use for curing anxiety is learning how to calm the physical body through um, progressive relaxation and different kinds of relaxation techniques. because our body cannot be relaxed and anxious in the same moment. Either we're predominantly in the alpha brainwave, we're chilled, we're calm, our our muscles are relaxed, or we're predominantly in the beta brainwave where we're thinking and and we're anxious and we're nervous and we're uncomfortable can't be in both of those at the same time so we can teach our body to relax which like I say if we have time we need about seven minutes I'm just going to tell you in case we can get that many minutes we can do it okay Um, and then um, so there's also something uh, used for anxiety and depression actually mindfulness techniques now what these do is they help that anxiety wire burn out because we simply watch it burning okay so like in in mindfulness techniques we allow the feeling of anxiety to be there instead of being anxious about the anxiety or panicking about the panic what we do is we observe oh this is my heart beating quickly okay this is my um, tightness in my chest this is my and sweating and we actually pay attention to what's going on and as we pay attention to it, a very odd thing happens and that we calm down. And that is because the part of us that pays attention to anything is by definition a calm part, the part that is, pays attention. okay, um, The part that thinks, like, I'm dying. Okay, that part is not calm, right? The part that is simply observing is, is actually very calm. So learning mindfulness can help us uh, greet anxiety with comfort and after a while anxiety doesn't come because it—it it just a kind of, the relationship we have to our feelings becomes um, much more accepting and wholesome or whatever. Anxiety doesn't need to knock on our door like that. So mindfulness is a whole school of um, therapy in itself. Mindful, they sometimes call it mindfulness-based cognitive behavioral therapy, there's that kind. Or you might just encounter a therapist who incorporates mindfulness techniques into his or her practice. Now, there are other um, techniques, like the tapping techniques, the EFT, emotional freedom technique. These are phenomenal, and they cured me of all my anxiety, okay? I I was a public speaker my whole life, uh, very anxiously so for the first 25 years, okay? So uh, I would speak two or three times a week, and I would feel very nervous before I'd get up. And I would feel my heart beating. I would I'd feel sick. I don't know why I did it. People kept asking me to speak, so I would go, but I, I did not enjoy it, okay? and. Um, and then I would speak perfectly for you know the hour that I would speak, and then I would have a migraine headache for twenty four hours after each time, just from holding it together for that hour. I did that for twenty five years okay Then I learned the tapping techniques, which are funny techniques where you tap on your, your <laughs> meridian you tap okay you 're tapping on your body there's, there's eight points where you're tapping. You can learn this online on this tapping courses on youtube there's plenty of people doing tapping. And it knocked all the anxiety completely out of my system. Like it just changed everything after that. Like it's just like I just love teaching that one to people because it was so important for me. Okay, um, and and it has miraculous results. I'm a very big advocate. And I actually learned tapping one of the first people in North America to learn it. So I've been doing it for about 25 years, and uh, I know how deeply and profoundly it can cure anxiety. So I, that's one of my big things. Um, there's other techniques sometimes um, you know we need deeper therapies because the anxiety is coming from childhood trauma uh, we might use things like EMDR which is um, high-movement desensitization and reprocessing it's different kind of bilateral stimulation not the tapping it's, it's a different kind of um, movement therapy called it a bilateral stimulation and that cures anxiety um, if, if anxiety is coming from uh, issues like um, if it's if it's deeper like it's psychologically based we'll say just to be um uh, trauma based type of things and this is reminding me that there are apps a million apps on everybody's phone that um, are very uh, they, they do a lot of different things for curing anxiety uh, one of the things I really like that comes up kind of um, it's something like EMDR for the masses I'll say um, which is Uh, binaural beats b-i-n-a-u-r-a-l now the research is not out on that everything else I've mentioned has research is considered uh, evidence-based for example mindfulness is evidence-based cognitive uh, behavioral therapy is evidence-based EMDR is evidence-based the tapping techniques are evidence-based binaural beats they haven't done the research on it yet but if you look for binaural beats for anxiety uh, what you can do is just put your headphones on Um, Listen to whatever binaural beats you find. There's something called online called freebinauralbeats.com, and you can look there for um, anything like alpha, theta, delta, whatever beats. Very very calming. Or the apps that are on your phone, and they have them for insomnia and for and they have them for everything. Okay, like there's um, one of my favorite programs there on um, the iPhone. They don't have it for some reason on Android. I don't know why. Um, It's called 35 binaural brain and it it will take you through any brainwave that you need to be in including the deep relaxation and the sleep ones or whatever so all you do is you turn your button on have your headset on and binaural beats is a left right left right brain stimulation something like emdr except that it's happening for you and you don't have to do anything and you see you don't have to be in therapy for all these things you just have to pursue it right so Yeah, there's so many things.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm curious. We get like a top 10 apps list. I've heard of some other ones too, like Headspace.
2: Yes, for mindfulness. Headspace. Yeah. Yes. I don't
0: know. We got to get something going
2: like that to hear what people say. Breathe to relax. Breathe, the number two, and relax, which are on all platforms, is very, very good for learning breath work. It's a, a training app for that. It's free, it's great.
0: Yeah, we're yeah, we're going to have to. Get, I'll follow you. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs>
2: um
0: all right, let's go to our last topic and then if we have some time we can do that breathing exercise that we're talking about. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I know you've done a lot of work on children and anxiety, so I really do want to get to this one. Um a few questions. Okay. How, how can I help my children with anxiety navigate through life? Um, that's seems like a loaded question um how how to know if a child is having anxiety and uh, kind of more specific if a child has social anxiety do you push them to go
2: to places if you have any me to the last one first if you have any anxiety we're not gonna push anybody we have to give people techniques that make it doable um, you can't just, like, throw somebody in the deep end. You're, you're afraid to swim here. Go, you know, like that will traumatize a person very badly. and They'll never swim again. OK, so um, we don't push, but we give the person techniques to cope first. And then we encourage small baby steps and you go from strength to strength. OK, like you just keep moving through it till, till you conquer your big things. Um, so in, sometimes you do need a therapist to guide that process so that if, you, there's, if there's a lot of anxiety, um, you know, that would be best guided by a, a therapist so that you can do it in the bite-sized with the right coping techniques um, if okay but anyways with their your children you said uh, the first question was how do we help them navigate through life mm-hmm. um, one do not overprotect protect them um, you know like they because avoidance increases anxiety So you don't say, well, Junior's afraid of dogs, so we're not going anywhere where there's dogs. That is not the way. But again, to give them the techniques they need in order to be able to approach dogs and to build that up through uh, giving them a skill set. Now, the book I wrote was specifically for that, called The Fear Fix, to give the child a million different techniques so that they would eventually be able to... Like a kid's afraid of bees. Well, you know... We don't first of all, when, we, when a child has anxiety, it's very important that the parents do not try to talk the child out of that feeling. Okay, the kids afraid of, of bees want to say, Okay, you're afraid, that makes sense. Bees sometimes sting people, it could hurt. Yes, it could happen to you on the class picnic, that is true. Okay, <laughs> you know, like, so we, we go that way, we don't go like, Don't worry, what's the t- No, it's, it's not going to happen to you, we don't do that. Okay, like you're scared. So if you got stung by a bee what would you do okay let's get let's get a plan together here's how you you know you call for help here's how you take remove the stinger here's medicine that we put on after here's what we can do to try to prevent that from happening but we cannot guarantee that bad things won't happen so we never you know there's a the whole thing on how to talk to children about uh, their anxious feelings and the big thing is do not offer reassurance but rather accept their feelings because that's kind of the more the mindfulness thing where when you accept it It has a chance to just move through and uh, and out and also the child will start correcting herself You'll see that um, In the chapter in my book called how to how um, what to say <laughs> to your children, but we, we need training in that um, So we want to encourage the child. We want to give the child tools. We want to encourage the child to face the fears and move through them using the tools and we want to accept feelings and provide support. Um, And we also want to recognize the limits of our parenting power, that if a child has a lot of um, issues, we're there to help, but we can't necessarily remove the issues. So we can't say, you know, I don't know. We just can't stop our children from having their life struggles. We want to be supportive and offer them as much as possible. Whatever. Not be anxious. Like, gosh, if they have a problem, they won't have a life. You know what? Everybody has a problem We all have life so Like, you, even if if you're anxious, you can have a very good life. You know. So there's not. That's not going to ruin your child's life as long as you encourage the attitude of moving forward, like those 25 years where I was anxious about speaking and suffered a lot. I still spoke I <laughs> spoke every week, you know, for 25 years, like, um, which is to show also that exposure alone, um, doing something over and over by itself does not always make anxiety go away. Sometimes we need other tools, okay? The 25 years of it did not work. For me. <laughs> <laughs> but I did it anyways, okay, fine. So uh, what was the, the middle question there you had? It
0: was how to know if a child's having anxiety.
2: Yeah, a lot of times children will not tell you what's going on in their little brains. You may see them um, doing rituals or something. You may notice that they're doing something. And uh, you won't necessarily know that they're counting numbers they are funny noises, because I'm hearing, are you hearing?
0: I am just moving around to charge my phone. So it's probably oh. for
2: me. <laughs> <Are we> gonna... <laughs> I'm getting anxious. Okay, oh, no. no, um, Okay, so. A child won't necessarily tell you, but if you are talking about anxiety, um, you take books out of the library about children's feelings. Um, There's usually lots of books about feelings, and you're saying, you know, coming across the anxious feeling and you're saying, oh yes, I sometimes feel scared about this. I sometimes feel worried about that. I sometimes get a funny feeling in my stomach just before I do blah, blah. And you talk about it. It will help encourage your children to say that happens to them. And then you can tell them what you do. Hopefully you have some strategies of your own and you can tell them, you know, what they might do. And you can certainly consult professionals to get more strategies that, you know, or read more books. There's a a lot of stuff out there for children's anxiety And uh, for our own, so uh, books and, like I said, everything on the internet. There's no shortage of information. Just, just look for it and you'll find it. Um, What was the? the, I'm forgetting the. What was that question I'm answering? (laughs)
0: Oh, uh, how to tell if a child has anxiety. Oh,
2: how to tell. Um, Yeah, so they're physical symptoms of anxiety. A kid who's having a lot of stomach aches, unexplained, the doctor says the kid is fine, a lot of headaches, uh, unexplained, and diet and nutrition and whatever it is doesn't change anything. Um, the child starts wanting to stay home from school a lot you know, because um, again they won't necessarily put it into words but there, there could be something there could be a bully at school The work could be too hard they could be feeling like they're failing the teacher could be screaming um, there could be a lot of things going on your kids don't just come up and tell you so when you see a child's behavior is changing or their physical health seems like unduly <laughs> compromised like what's going on here you always have a cold um, you always feel sick you always need to stay home um, or the child, you know, uh, all of a sudden seems to be not toilet trained anymore. Like they're, they're wetting to bed every night and they're five or six years old. I mean, how, you know, how does that happen? Um, there are a lot of, when there's physical changes, the child's not sleeping, any change, okay, mm-hmm. could be that there's anxiety going on in the child's nature and sorry, in the child's body. And, um, you need to try and get to the bottom of that, but it won't necessarily be because the child tells you like you can't just ask a child is anything wrong is this happening are you being bullied Is the teacher to me like if you do that the kid will come across a list of ideas they never even thought about to be anxious about okay so um sometimes again here consulting a professional can help you could just you know tell somebody here's what i see in my kid and let that person um, deal with the child if, if possible
0: um, I actually remembered while you were talking another question that I forgot to ask, um, that someone um, brought up that was an interesting question. Um, it was how to deal with anxiety that you feel like no one will understand. That seems irrational, like, um, the example, the person brought up was postpartum anxiety.